Cairo, Seattle. Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, a show about famous people and the stories behind the foods they love most. Today on the program, actress and singer-songwriter Lola Kirk. I like to think if like kind of 80s Dolly had a baby with like solo Stevie, that would be the sound. 80s, 90s country through the lens of a girl that grew up in New York City and has no business playing country. (laughs) (laughs) Lola is best known for co-starring in the Noah Baumbach film, Mistress America, with past your last meal guest, Greta Gerwig. And she starred on the TV show Mozart in the Jungle. But right now you are listening to the song Pink Sky from her brand new album, Lady for Sale. Ben and Jerry's fish food. So on the 25th anniversary of the ice cream flavor, I chat with Ben and Jerry's about its history and how they made the deal with the band Fish. And have you ever ordered Fernet at a bar? If so, the bartender probably thought you were pretty cool. It was kind of a bartender's handshake in the 80s and 90s, where if you went to the bar and you ordered a shot of Fernet, they'd say, where do you order? We'll learn all about Fernet later in the episode. But first, my interview with Lola Kirk. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Lola. I'm fully eating the Tony's chocolate bar. Listeners, I want to assure you, what you just heard was the only time Lola will be eating during this episode. You may be thinking, is she going to eat through the entire interview like another recent guest did? Or maybe you're the person who gave me a one-star rating on Apple Podcasts because you disliked it so much. But listeners, do not fear. From here on out, all mouths will be food-free. And also, please give me a good review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so I can get back up to my five-star rating again. Lola grew up in New York City. Her dad was a drummer for Bad Company. Her mom ran this really cool vintage boutique popular with folks like Sarah Jessica Parker and Nicole Kidman. One of her sisters is a singer, and the other starred in one of my all-time favorite TV shows, Girls. Basically what I'm saying is, Lola's childhood was a whole lot more rock and roll than mine was in the suburbs. I'm going to start actually with this quote that I read. You were eating a Greek salad when you were doing this interview and you said, I never eat things this healthy. This is what rock and roll looks like now, by the way. It's so depressing. And I wanted (laughs) to know if you would elaborate on that a little bit. Wow. Um, I mean, honestly shocked that I ate a Greek salad (laughs) still to this day is the most (laughs) remarkable part of that quote. But yeah, I mean, I guess growing up, there was this understanding that rock and roll was like, you know, sex and drugs and and then rock and roll. <laughs> uh, and now I feel like it's like wellness and like bipolar disorder. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody's yes. like, but like treated, like <laughs> everybody's like taking really good care of themselves, which like I don't mean to knock. That's that's wonderful. Um But I am curious if like wellness is just the new addiction. And as a person who I would describe myself as like a hard moderate when it comes to like drinking and drugs and food, really, like I have no dietary restrictions, which sometimes makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong. You know, (laughs) like everyone I meet, like can't eat something and I eat everything and too much 
of, you know, the things you probably shouldn't. I was reflecting a lot on this lately because I, you know, I'm an actress as well. And like, I just did a sex scene that took three days to film. Oh my God. And it involved a number of other people (laughs) as, as sex scenes do. And everybody looked like incredible naked like incredible, incredible, superhuman, incredible. And I like feel like I looked like regular human. And I thought to myself, like, man, I'm really brave to get up there with a bunch of superheroes and be the only one that, you know, isn't looking like that. And then I was like, is that brave or is that just like normal? Like, I mean, they're brave to like work out as much as they do and be like as conscientious as they are about like their food. And, and maybe I'm brave to not do those things, or maybe we're all just living on our own wavelengths. But anyway, yeah, I, I feel guilty a lot of the time about like how kind of unconcerned I am about uh, some things in an age where I feel like everyone's very concerned. I have so much to say. I'll start with your quote struck me because I interview so many people who are actors and musicians. And I thought the same thing because I like to ask people, you know, what's on your writer and it's always green juice hummus, veggie plates. And I think the same thing every time. What would Motley Crue think right now if they were listening to this interview, you know, or like Guns N' Roses. And I totally understand it because you have to be healthy when you're on tour. You could get sick. and But it is funny because rock and roll did not used to be this way. Well, and you can really see that, I think, reflected in, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, what's on the stage and what's on the screen. Like there is a lack of life as far as I'm concerned with what I'm watching generally in culture. And not that like debauchery and indulgence equals life, but I can really see that like measured, scared approach. I mean, it's a very risk averse way of living when you're really uh, (laughs) taking care of yourself to that degree. It's beautiful, but it's very safe. And I see that safety in culture right now. and, And frankly, I'm not that interested in it. Do you feel like you live a more classic rock and roll lifestyle? I mean, I feel like I live a lifestyle minus the cocaine that would have been more appropriate in the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I think that there was more room for for fun and indulgence in earlier times than there is now. But I like to drink. I like to smoke cigarettes sometimes. I, I like to stay up late. I like to eat whatever I want. I mean, it's really... It feels almost like I'm being transgressive by doing those things, but I, <laughs> I just enjoy having fun that way. That's yeah. my, that's my version of having fun. I mean, I also like to exercise or rather I like having exercised. I mean, I'm not sure if you've been informed, but I did create a aerobics tape. That's a companion piece to my record. Hi there. I'm Lola Kirk. After getting involved in the highly lucrative business of independent music, I was able to build my dream home, a replica of the Parthenon, right here in Music City. I mostly use it as a gym. So why don't you join me in this excellent full-body workout? I like to do it daily, so I can eat and drink whatever the f*** I want and still feel like a goddess. And it's a 36-minute full-body workout that is like a 450-calorie burn on average. You work out to my record, but it's really fun. Yeah, I was just kind of like pressured into getting into shape and was like, well, if I'm going to do that, I want it to be fun. And what's more fun than Jane Fonda aerobics? (laughs) So that was just my way of updating it and bringing it into the now. 
I love that so much. So is it you as the aerobics instructor? Yes, it's just me. I unfortunately don't have like a horde of amazingly fit, funnily clad people with me, but it's just me. We shot it on VHS and Hi8, like the older cameras at the Parthenon, which is a two scale replica of the Greek Parthenon right here in Nashville. I've been and, there before, uh, actually. Oh my God, yeah. yes. It's a great, great <laughs> bizarre place it is and got some really fun spandex that uh this company cult form made with this designer i really like tyler mcgivillary and yeah it's it's really good i mean me and my trainer worked on it for a really long time now i look like i'm on drugs because i'm itching my nose so much the allergies here in nashville are horrendous but i swear it's just classic cocaine cover-up my allergies (laughs) my allergies i know i know okay i want to know more about this video so is it straight up exercise or is part of it like a joke or is it is it serious? It's completely earnest. I mean, the joke is that I did it, but yeah. like it's completely serious and earnest and it's a great workout. And I've shared it with a couple of my friends who have been doing it for six months and they they can they swear by it. I mean, I didn't make up the choreography. My trainer, Katie Cashin, who's in New Orleans at a place called Workshop Movement, made it up. It's really fun. When we were making the record, I kind of just thought, this sounds kind of like aerobic. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then I was like, oh, an aerobics video. (laughs) I want to be able to buy it on VHS because I still have my VCR. Oh my God. Well, we'll make one for you. Send it over. (laughs) Is there a place you can make one VHS tape? (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody at Third Man can figure that out. Oh my God. I remember being a kid and going to the gym with my mom and I would wear a full aerobics uniform to go to the, like the little kids room, you know, with the leg warmers and everything. And then when we'd come home, I mean, this is probably just diet culture. I'd be like, can I have a salad? Cause it just was this oh, whole right. thing that you would see. Totally. I mean, I remember going to the deli in New York after school with my dad, he was like, you can get whatever you want. And I'd be like, this slim fast looks good. And I was in like the third grade because it was pink, to be fair. It looked yeah. like strawberry milk. Yeah. But the ads on TV did promise that it would make you thinner. And already, already, I mean, growing up in the age of Monica Lewinsky, you really <laughs> like were kind of turned on to these standards of sexuality and beauty that were quite fascinating. So yes, as a third grader, I was I was trying to get some slim fast on. Remember a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch and a sensible dinner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I did not remember that. But yeah. That might have been before your time. Okay, so going back just to the rock and roll lifestyle thing, what is on your rider when you're touring? Um, well, if it's met, <laughs> depending on the night, we'll either do a bottle of Casamigos or a bottle of Woodford Reserve, which I'm really into that. I also like Bullet, and sometimes that's on there. My <laughs> guitar player and steel player is really into Vino Verde, so that's been on our rider for a minute. Core is Light. And then we do we do the standard like hummus and chips and yeah. chips and salsa and veggie plate and green grapes. That's really it. Oh, some kind bars. My my drummer has been requesting those. So we're finally I'm like, yeah, you can get your kind bars. Yeah, I will say, though, you are weirdly the first person I've asked who's actually named alcohol. No one ever has named alcohol for their writer. It's crazy. I mean, isn't that the, the point? <laughs> that we party every day? No, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't, I guess it's not that common, but yeah, it's kind of fun to do that. 
Can you take the stuff home with you? Like, can you take the bottle? Yes. My other friend, uh, Courtney Marie Andrews, who co-wrote one of the songs on my record, was the first person to kind of like introduce me to the idea of like her green room bar in her house. It's yours. So you take it with you in your van or whatever, and then you bring it on home. And then you have this kind of like amazing little stocked bar at your house. Half stocked bar because all the bottles were, you know, half empty. Half full. Half full. Yeah. Half full. That's <laughs> the way to look there at you life. Go. There you go. <laughs> When we come back, Lola reveals her last meal. Stick around. Lola was born in England. Both of her parents are British. So some of the food she ate growing up in Manhattan had a bit of a British flair. How did you guys eat at home? Because I'm assuming your dad might have been on tour for part of your childhood and you're in the city and you have so many options. Did you guys sit down and eat dinner as a family? I mean, I'm I'm five years younger than my closest sister. And so I was kind of like alone a lot. No, I cooked myself a lot. And my mom does make and did make like four things like incredibly well. One was a salt roast chicken, which I still make. You wash the chicken and you dry the chicken and then you cover it in just salt, Hmm. just salt. Cook it at 350 for an hour and a half. And it is the most delicious chicken in the entire world. Mm. Every time I make it for someone, they're like, this is insanely good. And then they'll call me a week later and they go, okay, what else do I put on it? And I'm like, absolutely nothing, just the salt. And then they, they won't trust me. They think you have to add more. It's kind of like a metaphor for life. It's like, no, 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 keep it simple. And you'll get the most delicious thing ever. Um, But she made that. She made a shepherd's pie, which I also still make, and like a zucchini soup. And maybe there was one other thing in there. But those were my jam. And then I would cook for myself something my dad had used to make for me, which was soft-boiled eggs and soldiers. The soldiers at the time were on a Portuguese muffin. I haven't seen these since like the early 2000s. But man, were they good. I'm like, find some Portuguese muffins. They were just incredible. They were like a kind of English muffin, but without like nooks and crannies. Okay. So not like a puffy muffin, like a a little flatbread English muffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Exactly. If you're not familiar with eggs and soldiers, the soldiers are strips of bread, like a slice of toasted bread cut into strips, like soldiers standing up straight. And then those soldiers are dipped into a soft boiled egg, ideally served in a cute little egg cup with the top of the eggshell cracked open so you can dip the soldiers inside. You like decapitate the egg. Yeah. Do you have the cute little cup that you put the egg in to do so? Of course. I've got, I've got you. (laughs) (laughs) And then every night before bed, Jesus, well, I was a big stoner at the time. I used to smoke so much weed. I don't even understand how I functioned or got into college or did anything. Same. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it made my sense of humor better. I mean, I don't smoke weed too much now, but like when I do, I kind of feel this like return to self. I'm like, (laughs) ah, there she is. (laughs) Ah, that laid back funny girl. Um, But no, I would eat an entire box every single night of Le Petit Ecolier little schoolboy cookies. They were like, this like butter cookie with like a milk chocolate top and on them was printed 
a little French schoolboy. <laughs> and I would like smoke weed and eat a whole box of those and watch like a different, I mean, honestly, my inner life was so rich at that time. Watch like a different, incredible, like Barbara Stanwyck movie every night and like go to sleep and like conk out and go to school the next morning at like 6am or whatever and repeat. So these were cookies you could get in New York then. These were, they must've been. At the deli. Okay. Yeah. It was like part of my allowance money, like, you know, $10 went to a dime bag and then $5 went to the Lipitacoli schoolboy cookies. <laughs> what would your last meal be? Wow. That's like, I, I should have prepared for that question considering the name of this podcast. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's what I'm going to start with. Okay. I'm going to start with some caviar oh. on little like pancakey guys with the creme fraiche and whatever. That's my hors d'oeuvre. Okay. Then I'm going to have, I mean, I feel like I should... I do enjoy vegetables, but like, if I'm honest, like how much, like not that, like that's more like, so I can like live though. My friend just made some carrots the other day with parsley on them that were incredible. So I would do that. Then I would do those things that I told you my mother makes like the shepherd's pie Mm -hmm. or a roast chicken. And then maybe like a pint of fish food ice cream by Ben and Jerry's. Oh yeah. And like a bottle of like beautiful red wine. And some like gorgeous Frenette or Amaro with that. Ooh. And then I would die. <laughs> and that would be that. The Frenette is the cool drink. I always hear like bartenders, if you go to a bar and you order Frenette, they're like, ooh, it's the drink that bartenders order when they're at a bar. Oh, damn. I didn't know that. Yeah. But it's cool. the cool drink. Oh, well, great. I Welcome guess I'm cool to Cool Town. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So remind me what is in the fish food ice cream? Oh, okay. Well, I first tried fish food ice cream at the Ben and Jerry's factory. My brother was at um, college in Vermont. This was like the 90s. Dave Matthews were huge. <laughs> and we went to Vermont and we went to the fish food, to the Ben and Jerry's factory. And there was a vat, like uh, the biggest vat I've ever seen of this brand new flavor, which turned out to be fish food. And we got to sample it. And my like seven-year-old self was just beside herself with joy because it's like a marshmallow with like caramel and then milk chocolate ice cream and these little chocolate fish guys that provide this kind of textural crunch. And it's pretty amazing. Has that been your favorite ever since you tried it when you were seven? Yeah, I mean, there's not, not everything else pales. I mean, I do like a peanut butter chocolate ice cream. Talenti does a really good one of those, a really good one of those. But uh, yeah, the fish food one is really good. I have like a stomach ache from having this conversation. I'm like, <laughs> maybe I should get some dietary restrictions. For her last meal, Lola Kirk wants caviar on little pancakes with creme fraiche. I think she's talking about blinis. Her friend's carrots with parsley, her mom's shepherd pie or salt roasted chicken, a pint of Ben and Jerry's fish food ice cream, a bottle of beautiful red wine, and a glass of Fernet. Turns out this is the exact perfect stars align moment for Lola Kirk to declare her love of Ben and Jerry's fish food because this year is the 25th anniversary of the flavor. If you're not familiar, fish is spelled P-H-I-S-H, as in the jam band fish. And the members of fish collaborated with Ben and Jerry to create the iconic flavor. Now, fish has never lent their name to a product before. So I called up Jay Curley, global head of integrated marketing at Ben and Jerry's, to get the story behind the flavor and this rare collaboration. They were neighbors. 
Fish was a big band in Vermont. Ben and Jerry were running this growing ice cream company here. So they would bounce into each other. And I think just very organically between Ben and um, some of the guys in the band, they started tossing around the idea. They started working together on what it would be like. And we're celebrating 25 years of fish food this year. And they came up with... Chocolate ice cream with a caramel swirl, a marshmallow swirl, and chocolate fish chunks. So is there anything about this flavor that is supposed to mirror the band? You know, is it supposed to have any elements that make you feel like I'm listening to a fish song or is it just things that taste good together? One, the fish chunks are meant to represent the band. But when I look at it, I see four unique elements that are wonderful on their own and come together to create something entirely different and entirely new. That's so emblematic of the band. Would you say ice cream is like music? (laughs) I would say they're both amazing experiences uh, that can take you to new places. Jay is a big fish fan. He's seen them play 120 times. Do you still go and Uh, see them live? Yeah, I'm hoping to see five or six shows this summer. Since they hadn't done anything branded before, what do you think it was about Ben and Jerry's ice cream that they agreed to do it? Um, We interviewed John Fishman about 10 years ago about this. John's the drummer in the band. And he said that it felt right because Ben & Jerry's was a different type of of a company. Fish is a different type of band. They never had big radio play. They weren't on MTV. They're really pioneers in terms of how they built their following and how they, uh, you know, really how they approach music. And Ben & Jerry's is a different type of company, not just trying to make a profit for profit's sake, but trying to give back to the communities that we operate in and use our business itself, the operations of the business to create positive change in the world. I know that they felt that this wasn't a normal branded product. This was a fun partnership with a kindred spirit. I mean, yeah, I think it's easy to see why they connected, because if you want to use the broadest of strokes, you can say, oh, they're all kind of hippies. (laughs) You know, they're these Vermont hippies and they probably have the same values. I think that idea of being free-spirited, doing things differently, are things they definitely connected on. When Fish made the deal with Ben & Jerry's, they used it as an opportunity to launch their nonprofit, Waterwheel Foundation. With Fish Food, the band gets a royalty from it, and they weren't really looking to make money on it. So what they did is the proceeds from the flavor that they got went into the Waterwheel Foundation. Uh, So the Waterwheel Foundation was launched at the same time the ice cream was. Today, the water wheel has really two distinct elements to it. One is really focused on Vermont, clean water and Lake Champlain Valley, but they also have the what they call the touring division. So everywhere the band plays, they are giving back to that local community. To nonprofits that benefit women and children, the environment, food banks, and more. Over the last 25 years, Waterwheel Foundation has donated about $9.2 million to more than 500 nonprofits. So that's the do-gooding, but let's get back to the ice cream. Jay says fish food is currently the fifth most popular flavor they make. What is the number one flavor right now? It is half-baked. Does it change often, your top five? It does not. There's a little jostling here and there. For many years, it was Cherry Garcia. Can you go down what's one through five? Yes, it is half-baked. Cherry Garcia, chocolate chip cookie dough, chocolate fudge brownie, and fish food. I wanted to know if the members of Fish are still eating their flavor 25 years later. So I got in touch with Beth Montori Rolls, general manager of Fish Inc. since 1995 and executive director of the Waterwheel Foundation. 
do they eat that ice cream still? Is that a flavor that they still eat on a regular basis? I don't know, to be honest with you. I think that some of them maybe at this point, because the non-dairy flavor came out, I think that that may have turned them back around that way. I know some of the band members eat it, but I, I can't say for sure. Are that some all of, of them do. Are some of the band members vegan now? Um, not necessarily vegan, but just sort of like maybe more plant-based eaters, healthier eaters, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ice cream isn't like at the top of the food chain when you think it healthy. Rock and roll has aged a bit. And we all are looking at ourselves and saying, I've got to make some improvements on my diet. Again, I must ask the question, what would Motley Crue think? Have they put their names on anything else since? Or is this still the one product? So far, this is still the one product. After her caviar and carrots and chicken and ice cream, Lola wants to cap off her last meal with the Italian digestive Fernet. When we come back from the break, we'll dig into its history and learn why San Francisco drinks more Fernet than anywhere else in the country. wants to end her last meal with Fernet, an Italian digestif. And the only thing I know about Fernet is that it's a bartender's drink. I'm doing air quotes here. A sort of secret handshake between industry workers. If someone orders a Fernet, you know they're your people. And since I, one, have never been a bartender, and two, have very uncool drinking habits, I've been known to describe the flavor of whiskey as a grandpa's belly button, it should be no surprise to anyone that I have never even tasted Fernet. Specifically, the most popular brand, Fernet Branca. So I called in an expert. Good morning. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? That's Chris Fogarty, owner of Our Bar in San Francisco. Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry I woke up late, but as bartenders do. That's okay. I'm getting an authentic experience out of you. Yes. Yes. There are thousands and thousands of bartenders in this country, but Chris was the only one I wanted to talk to. According to reports by SF Gate and Thrillist, San Francisco drinks more Fernet Branca than any other city in the country. 35% of the country's supply. And at one time, maybe even still right now, our bar sold more Fernet Branca than any other bar in the United States. So my business partner and I, his name is Todd Osman. We bartended at six bars together before we bought our bar. That's why we call it our bar, because we worked at a bunch of other bars for other people, and then we got our own bar, so it's our bar. <laughs> in the beginning, it was just all industry people that came there because we worked at so many bars. Todd and I are both from born and raised in San Francisco, too. So we just knew a lot of people. People where everyone was drinking Fernet. So we were the number one Fernet account in the United States, 2003 to 2006 to 2007. Would other regular non-bartender people come in and just want to know what everybody was drinking? Yeah. But in the beginning, it was just all bartenders. It's a little dive bar into the tenderloin. You know, there wasn't a lot of people coming there, but it, all of a sudden it was packed. I mean, after our like first year, we we had lines outside on the weekends. I mean, like it's a little dive bar in the tenderloin. And it just kind of grew from there and everyone was ringing for net. It was kind of a bartender's handshake in the 80s and 90s, where if you went to the bar and you ordered a shot from net, they'd say, where do you work? You know, mm. that was like how you they knew that you were in the industry. But it was just bartenders. And then like in the 90s and 2000s, it started kind of gaining steam. I realize I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's take a step back and talk about what Fernet actually is. The best way to describe it, I think, to people that wouldn't have any idea what it is, is it's like Jägermeister, but it's not sweet at all. 
it's very bitter. Mm. I don't know. It's hard to explain. And it must be syrupy. It's not syrupy at all. Not viscous at all. Oh, okay. Because it's not sugary. Like Jaeger has so much sugar in it. It's Italian. It's made in Milan. It's like 50 herbs and spices. Um, it's like the Kentucky Fried Chicken of alcohols. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it basically is. But it's black. It'll stain your shirt. People have a love-hate relationship with it. Half the people love it and half the people hate it. Fernet is an Amaro, an Italian herby bitter spirit made with 27 ingredients, including aloe, Chinese rhubarb, saffron, angelica, chamomile. It was developed by an herbalist in Milan in 1845, and early versions were rumored to contain opiates. The idea is to drink it after a meal to aid with digestion. If you drink it correctly, you have one after dinner, but... Not a lot of people drink it correctly, especially bartenders. A lot of people use it too. If they're hungover, you drink it, and you're going to feel better or throw up, depending on. <laughs> so it's really 50 50 if this makes you feel better. <laughs> right. Okay. How did it become a big thing in San Francisco? It was big in San Francisco because they had a distillery here during Prohibition. During Prohibition, it was still deemed medicinal, so you could get it. You could buy it because it was medicinal. So a lot of people here drank it because it was the only booze you could buy legally. During Prohibition, it was sold at drugstores, said to cure everything from cholera to menstrual cramps. Chris says it has other effects on the body. One of my bartenders, though, all he drinks is Fernet. Uh, his name's Will. He drinks probably more Fernet than anyone in the United States. <laughs> because it's a digestive, too, like... If you're drinking a bottle of Fernet a day, I mean, think what that does to your digestive system. <laughs> you must have the healthiest gut in America. I don't know. <laughs> it, lo it loosens things up quite a bit. Let's put it down. Got it. Got it. After nearly two decades owning and bartending at the country's most well-known Fernet bar, Chris has moved on to tequila. He still likes Fernet, but he also likes variety. Do you ever order Fernet just so that you can oh. maybe like strike up a conversation or have that in common with the bartender? I used to for sure all the time. We would always do that. It's funny still now, like I go into bars or restaurants where I don't know people in San Francisco and like just Fernet shows up at the table. <laughs> like you're the Fernet guy. I'm like, ah, yeah. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I'm done with this shit. But I'll drink it. It's not like I dislike it because I, I mean, I have an affinity for it, but I just don't want to drink it all the time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> of journalism, I tried Fernet for the first time a few days ago. My friend Jess keeps it stocked at her home bar, and I told her to give me the teeniest, tiniest little pour because I was sure I wouldn't like it. I am so, so picky with booze. I don't like most of it. Do not invite me to a fancy cocktail bar. I will order a beer. So I was kind of already wincing as I tipped this deep brown liquor into my mouth, and uh, I liked it. I liked it. It was way smoother than I expected. Less sharp, not a lot of nose hair burning fumes. I probably wouldn't order it at a bar, but now I know that I could order it at a bar if I was going undercover as a cool bartender. Fernet may be a good way to end a meal, but a good way to end this show would be to bring back Miss Lola Kirk. When you were on a press tour years ago for Mistress America, Greta Gerwig, who's also been on the show, said that she loved how you ate when you guys were touring around. So like when you were in Philadelphia, you had a Philly cheesesteak and in Chicago, you had deep dish and in Texas, you had Tex-Mex. So I was wondering if you had like a favorite regional cuisine, like something that you love that you can't wait till you go to that city so you can have the best version of that food. Yeah, right, right. OK, well, I mean, now 
now I live in Nashville, but it used to just be like straight to a pulled pork sandwich. I love barbecue, mac and cheese, all that, all that crap. In Nashville, I love to eat barbecue. In New York, I love to eat pizza and Joe's pizza is, is my jam, no matter what. I'm just a Joe's girl. Dim sum in San Francisco. Yes. Always. Yes. I am like a tourist in a lot of ways. When I go to any city, I like to do the touristy thing. And that was Lola Kirk's last meal. Well, thank you so much for your time. I love this oh. record. Oh, Looking thank it. you. It's so good. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting. This is really fun. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Find a link to Lola's new album, the tour schedule, and the workout video in the show notes. Thanks to Jay Curley with Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream. What is your favorite flavor? My all-time favorite flavor is mint chocolate cookie. Uh, and I've loved it since I was a kid. But my new favorite is Changes Brewing, which is a limited batch that we just did. Oh, it's so good. It's cold brew coffee ice cream with a marshmallow swirl and fudge brownies. Thanks to Fish Inc. General Manager Beth Montori Rolls. I'm going to put you on the spot for just a minute. If you had an ice cream named after you, if it was like the Beth flavor, what would you pick? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't know whether I can do that. <laughs> There's so many options at this point, right? You can't say, well, it would be vanilla. <laughs> you know? I hope not, Beth. You're not a vanilla person. <laughs> I mean, I don't know you, but I don't think you are. I'm a little vanilla. I got to be honest. I really am. We have an entire episode featuring Ben and Jerry that came out in January 2021. And if you haven't already listened, it is a really good one. I highly recommend it. And one final thanks to Chris Fogarty, owner of Our Bar in San Francisco. This episode was produced by me. Laura Scott does the final mix and edits, the music by Prom Queen. Go to yourlastmealpodcast.com if you want to send us a message or read a bit more about Laura and I. And you can follow along on Instagram. I'm Hello Rachel Bell. It's mostly pictures of me making cheese boards on mountains and baking cakes garnished with pickles wearing top hats. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal. Lola is best known for co-starring in the Noah Bombeck, 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 Bombeck. I really love barbecue. You keep talking. I'm going to get my cat off of the thing. <laughs> okay, go for it. Um, oh, hello. My dog is, is like barbecue. Oh. She's hungry. Um, well, yes. I. Oh, Santino. All the animals are alive. All the animals are alive. Yeah. It's true. Um, oh, my God. Hang on one second. Oh, okay. I'm going to feed my cat, too. We'll both be back in a moment. Okay. There's something cool to me about people who grew up like you in the city because I lived in Pleasanton growing up and I just uh-huh. didn't think they allowed kids to live in the city because it just seemed too <laughs> cool. If you don't live at the end of a cul-de-sac, like where do you play? Even to this day when I hear someone is like, I was born in New York and raised there in San Francisco. I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up on Bush Street. It was a three lane like highway through the city. So like, yeah. we didn't have a bike. Like when I was a kid, I had a bus pass and I would just go do whatever I wanted, you know? And then went home and had your rice aroni. Yeah, the San Francisco treat. Yeah. Funny, that's what I call for people, the San Francisco treat. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah.